Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Mile Higher Podcast, episode 192. Today, we are doing one of our favorite types of podcasts. Is this one of your favorites? It's mine. Yeah, I love to dive into multiple things. Sometimes. I do, too. Sometimes it's like I, I like to focus and deep dive one topic, but I do, too. I like to switch it up and kind of like go through a couple different things. It's very good for my ADHD brain. I like the constant change. I feel like a lot of people like it like that, too. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah. you know, get to learn multiple things about multiple topics. Mm-hmm. Our attention one. spans are pretty weak these days, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? So today we are doing one of our Unexplained Phenomena episodes. And if you've never seen one of these, you're in for a treat. We go over a bunch of different topics. And the things that we have to talk about today are wild. And a lot of them I bet you guys have not heard of. Um, we're going to be going over everything from something called Jello Rain to a, the Alaskan Bermuda Triangle, the Phoenix Lights, which we've touched on here and there, but we're going to kind of look at it again today, and some others. So yes. it's going to be really fun. Yeah, I think this is part, we we were starting to do like Unexplained Phenomena, part one, part two, and yeah. I think this is like part seven. I think we so. We have a lot of, of these types of episodes out there, yep. and we actually have them all in one playlist too, I think, if you're watching on YouTube, which mm-hmm. is kind of convenient. Mm-hmm. But I know it's getting harder and harder to find unexplained phenomena we haven't talked about yeah. and and stories and you we're know just unsolved mysteries eventually yeah, i know we're gonna hit all of them so on that note though if you do know of some unexplained phenomena or mysteries we haven't covered we do have a form yes in our description and show notes that you can go to and you can actually you know send in topic suggestions and you know anything you would like to see covered on the podcast so just thought i'd put that out there because i don't know if everybody knows that or not before we get into the episode, I did want to just make a quick note about merch because we've been getting a lot of oh, yeah. tweets and yes. sort of just people asking where the merch site go. Mm-hmm. And I know it just kind of disappeared. <laughs> and the reason for this is because we worked with a third party sort of supplier um, that ran all of that for us. And we've since left that agreement with them. And so we're bringing the merch sort of back in the house where we're running it ourselves since mm-hmm. we have higher love now we have the warehouse and everything so we can do it all ourselves Mm -hmm. so right now we're just waiting to get sort of the new site built out and we're waiting for our existing inventory that was up on the shop to arrive in our warehouse so we can then get it back up for you guys Uh, because i know it's it's been a little while since it's been down so yeah and we are in the process of revamping the merch as well working on some new collections and yeah taking it back into our own hands so we can really Take it a mile higher. That's right, baby. <laughs> but are you ready to get in? Yeah, let's I let's am. just go in and dive right into it. This episode of Mile Higher is brought to you by Simply Safe Upstart Fuzzy HelloFresh and Native. But let's begin by talking about this Jello Rain. All right, so we are starting off today here in Oakville, Washington, which is a tiny rural town just southwest of Seattle. It used to be known for its booming lumber industry. That is until a bizarre event left some residents sick and searching for answers. Around 3 a.m. on August 7th, 1994, clouds started to form around Oakville and rain began to fall. Rain is nothing new for Washington, of course. It's famous for being one of the rainiest states in the country. But this rain was anything but ordinary. A local police officer named David Lacey was on patrol that night with one of his civilian friends. And as they drove around the town in the squad car, David put his windshield wipers on to clear off the rain. But these raindrops did not wash off. They were gooey, and they started smearing against the windshield. 
coding it to the point where David had to pull over at a gas station. He hopped out of the patrol car and put on some latex gloves to investigate this strange substance. Something did not seem right. He wiped off some of the goo on the windshield and he noticed that it had a gelatinous consistency. It was mushy and he could squish the substance in his hand like some jello. Meanwhile, local residents noticed a strange blob rain elsewhere around town. Dottie Hearn and her daughter Sunny stepped outside her home after the rain fell and tried to examine it for themselves. The blobs were small, roughly about the size of half a grain of rice, and they looked like hailstones. But they all had the same bizarre gooey texture to them. And this goo that was raining down from the sky blanketed a 20 square mile area of Oakville, Washington. And nobody had any idea what this strange goo was. But things started to get even weirder by that afternoon. A few hours after Dottie came into contact with the goo, she started to feel very dizzy and nauseous. Only an hour after she started to feel sick, Sunny found her sprawled out on the bathroom floor. Dottie was still conscious, but she was drenched in sweat, pale, and cold to the touch. And her symptoms were so severe that she had to be hospitalized for four days. Meanwhile, Sunny and one of her friends started to feel sick after they touched the blobs. Their symptoms weren't as bad as Dottie's, but they also felt fatigued and nauseous. And even though David touched the substance with gloves on, Unlike many residents who handled it with their bare hands, he became incredibly sick by that afternoon. Dottie's doctor didn't think that the blobs were the reason why she was sick, but he definitely thought the blobs were strange. But he attributed Dottie's symptoms to an inner ear condition, and he just was, you know, thinking that maybe the blobs were just a freak coincidence. But Sunny and her mother weren't convinced, as Dottie had a fever and signs of infection which didn't match up with the ear condition the doctor diagnosed her with. Not only that, but the specific condition usually manifests as a chronic health issue with recurring episodes, but Dottie made a full recovery after coming home and didn't have those symptoms again. Then Sonny's cat got sick and died three days after it came into contact with the rain. Dottie collected a sample of the blobs and brought them to the hospital, and a lab technician examined the sample and was absolutely baffled at what she saw. The sample looked like it contained human white blood cells, but she couldn't identify the substance or where it came from. So this mysterious blob rain fell over Oakville again one day. Then it fell again and again. And over the course of three weeks, six jello storms coated the town. More and more residents became violently ill after coming in contact with this gooey blob rain. They had severe symptoms like nausea, extreme vertigo, blurred vision, and difficulty breathing. One resident reported that the townspeople all suffered from flu-like illness that lasted for two to three months after the incidents. And we have a clip here of the residents talking about the blob rain. I got sick, my wife got sick, my daughter, uh, everybody that lived here got sick. Everybody in the whole town came down with like a flu, only it was a really hard flu. It didn't last like seven days. It lasted like seven weeks, two or three months. What the hell? That's scary. Two to three months, too? Yeah. Whatever it is, it's got to be some type of, like, bacteria or parasite or something. That's crazy. And it's surprising that more people don't know about this. It's yeah. not more well-known. Well, it's so weird that it just, like, hit this one town. Yeah. That's what's weird to me is, like, mm -hmm. why this? Why not all over Washington or, like, mm -hmm. why aren't other towns reporting about this? But right. it's, like, Oakville. And several other cats and dogs died after they came into contact with this mysterious rain. 
including more of Sonny's barn cats. Dottie's dogs suffered from nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea three weeks after the rain started, and the vet diagnosed them with an infection and gave them some antibiotics. I'd be worried about that too. Our dogs would, told Oakley would totally go out there and start eating that oh, and like yeah. licking it up. Oh yeah, we don't really get rain here, but when it snows, well, Oakley make, like eats it. I know. Now it's making me think, what's in the snow outside? Oh, I know. Like, what kind of chemicals are in our snow? You never know. My well, it's definitely picking up like all the pollution and just crap in the air. I'm but sure who knows? It could be worse than that. Super pure. Sunny decided to take another look at the sample of the blobs and store them in her freezer in case she needed to send them out to a lab. And six weeks after the first rain, she came down with a severe case of bronchitis. Sunny sent the sample to the Department of Health, and a microbiologist there named Mike McDowell analyzed the sample. And he noted that this sample was full of two species of bacteria. The first bacteria, which I'm about to try to pronounce correctly, is Entrobactrocloacae. <laughs> no, not even close. Entrobactrocloacae. It Clow-a-key. ends in an R. Entrobactrocloacae. Oh my God. <laughs> Entrobacter. That's not what he said Clow-a-key. the first time. Cloacae. <laughs> Cloacae. Cloacae. Whatever this bacteria is, is commonly found in the digestive system of many people. And certain strains of the bacteria may cause urinary or respiratory tract infections in people with compromised immune systems. The second bacteria. This will be fun. Oh boy. Sodomonas fluorescens. No, it's definitely pseudo. Pseudomonas. Sorry, let me try that again. It's pseudomona fluorescence. Maunus. Pseudomonas. Pseudomonas. That's good, you know. Fluorescence. <laughs> this can be found in water and soil. It's a pretty uncommon source of infection and usually only affects some immunocompromised people. Mike continued to research the sample and concluded that the gel was actually a man made matrix is what he called it Mm. and this meant that it was a substance created to house or transport the bacteria mike reported his findings to his supervisor but when he came back to the lab later surprise surprise the substance was missing Mm, i smell a conspiracy but mike reported this to his supervisor and the supervisor allegedly told him to stop asking questions and in his over 30 years of working there mike had never had a sample go missing until that one mm. if that's not sketch i don't know what is sunny decided to send the sample she froze in her freezer to a scientist at the department of ecology and that scientist reported that the sample contained cells without nuclei which would mean that they weren't actually white blood cells she also sent a sample to a private lab called amtest laboratories and the scientist who analyzed that sample believed that he saw a eukaryotic cell which is a name for any animal cell that has a nucleus. So it's not fully clear then what exactly the organisms were or really how they came to be. At first, some people speculated that the blobs were human waste dumped by a commercial <laughs> airline mid-flight, which I don't think they do that because that would be no, no, <laughs> They absolutely do not do that. Can you imagine? You're just like outside and then they're just dumping shit out of the plane. Yeah. No. Our house would probably get rained down on quite a bit because they fly like right over us to get to DIA. Well, planes fly over everywhere. everywhere yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> that's true. Wow. No, I'm just saying, though, I mean, if a plane were to drop waste at 35,000 feet versus, say, 10,000 feet, more of that's going to hit the ground. And 
Well, it's all going to hit the ground. Well, it's going to be more dispersed, probably. I don't yes. know what we're talking about this. Ew. <laughs> Which, if this were the case, though, it might explain why people got so sick and why lab techs found digestive bacteria and cells in the samples. However, the FAA strictly forbids pilots from emptying human waste mid-flight for obvious reasons. The waste from the planes is actually known as blue ice because it's dyed blue. But the blobbering was translucent and colorless, so this theory is pretty much ruled out. A popular theory in Oakville at the time was that the rain was bits of jellyfish. During 1994, the Air Force was regularly dropping live bombs into the ocean about 20 miles off the coast of Washington. And the townspeople theorized that the bombs exploded into giant schools of jellyfish. And little bits of these jellies are getting blown out of the water, <laughs> evaporated up into the sky where it's then made into jellyfish clouds. That's a bizarre theory, And honestly. rained down later. I mean, I mm -hmm. guess if the substance looks like a jellyfish, I guess you might think maybe. And they're on the coast. Well, wouldn't other stuff rain down with it? It's just the jellyfish that well, they're sent. Well, they're, yeah, there'd probably be fish particles. <laughs> some, <laughs> throw some seaweed, some seaweed in there. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Just the jellies get blown out of the water. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. So clearly... The series not confirmed. Yeah, no shit. And Sunny thinks it's not the cause of the rain. She believes that the U.S. military rained the blobs over Oakville as some sort of covert testing, which mm. honestly, that's kind of what I think too, is that this is some sort of like geoengineering military test of some sort. Also, if this, this actually kind of helps that theory, multiple Oakville residents reported that they saw slow-moving military aircraft in the sky almost every day before the rain started. So mm. some people have theorized that the military was secretly testing some sort of biological weapon on the town of Oakville. Well, you want to believe that that kind of stuff doesn't happen, but reality is... You never know. Yeah. We don't know what the military is doing. We really don't. But the residents uh, were interviewed about seeing these choppers and planes around yeah, prior to the blob rain. This is an interesting clip. We had a significant amount of military aircraft flying over the home uh, prior to this happening. Every day almost of slow flying bombers, helicopters, all black in color. And uh, we kind of thought maybe it might have come from them. They let off things in the air all the time here, testing, you know, there's testing done all over the place. There's a lot of places you can't go into very scary i would be really upset if i had lived in this town during that time because yeah. i would what do you even assume do? the same thing yeah it's like they don't even know what to do mm -mm. just looking for answers but yeah. nobody's got an answer no and of course the u.s military denies it denies that they have anything to do with the jello rain but the government isn't exactly a stranger to conducting strange unethical tests on unwilling citizens yep agent orange if you remember that uh -huh. there's a lot of others too subway but. testing operation lack there's quite a few things so some people have theorized that the rain was slime mold or star jelly that was dispersed by a storm slime molds are a naturally occurring group of single-celled organisms that usually appear on dead plants or rotting wood Slime mold was sometimes called star jelly in medieval folklore because it was believed that the jelly fell from the stars after a meteor shower. Star jelly might also refer to the similar-looking frog vomit. Of course, some people theorize that the people in the town were just sick by coincidence. I mean, it's not uncommon for many people in a town to be sick at the same time. The illness 
correlates with the blob rain, but it's never been conclusively proven that the blobs caused the illness. Whether or not people in Oakville actually got sick at all has been debated online. And to this day, the Oakville blobs have never been identified, and it's still unknown where they came from. The Washington Department of Health apparently has no records of the blob-brained samples anymore. Of course, how convenient. There are no samples of the blob rain left in existence, so the Oakville Jello rain may forever remain a mystery. Also, it's important to note there are no photos of this blob rain on the internet at all. Any photo that someone has claimed is the Oakville blob rain is either a hoax or meant to represent what they looked like. That's that's fishy to me. The fact that, A, there's no samples and they never conclusively figured out what it is. Yeah. I mean, that makes me believe that this is some type of conspiracy cover up with the military and yeah. they were testing out something because, I mean, they are testing geoengineering and uh, weather manipulation, things like that. Those are things mm -hmm. that are obviously think about it. I mean, if you could control the weather and make this type of rain rain down on your enemies and they all get sick and die, I mean, that's a yeah. that's a great military weapon. So why wouldn't they be testing something like this? And plus, I think, it would be a huge coincidence for the planes to have just been there at the same time. Right. All the that's, military that's craft. so weird to me. Yeah, it's very strange that there was military mm. flying overhead days in advance. It's I'm almost curious like they were prepping or if any of you out in Washington have heard of this, is this something that people yeah, talk about, probably you know, not. commonly? I mean, I had never heard of this, but I see why the jellyfish theory came into question because they're really only maybe like two hours from the ocean. I know, but that's, but it, that it, makes no fucking then there'd sense. Be like, Let's be real. I mean, we've had fish rain yeah. before, so there'd be other things like you said. Yeah, maybe. Even if it, it, even if it was just the jellies coming down, if that was real, it would have some other things in the substance, you know, it wouldn't just have just been this clear material. Well, we don't have any official pictures of it, so we don't know exactly what I know, it but no like. one described it. Everyone just said it was clear and translucent. Yeah. Yeah. True. I do not think it was jellyfish. That makes no sense. <laughs> what do you think it was? It into then? the sky and stayed there until it rained and then they came down. Like, absolutely not. <laughs> I think it's something military. You think this is like a man made situation? Yeah. Maybe, I mean, I don't know if it was on purpose. Uh, well, it could it was, just be some type of pollutant or accidental. I, what I think is that they were in the days prior, they were probably up there seeding the clouds with whatever the substance is. Well, yeah, that's what they seem to be implying by the planes flying through mm -hmm. right before the rainstorms. Yep. I don't know. I mean, what do those people have to lose by talking about this? Multiple people are saying the same thing. True. And just having those video interviews is pretty interesting yeah i mean the this this phenomenon made unsolved mysteries yeah so it was obviously big enough that it made the local news and, and got picked up so so weird i literally had never heard of it before now yeah it's really weird what do you think janelle i'm skeptical because there's no pictures well so you don't think it existed at all you think they're just i'm not saying that necessarily i believe that 100 percent, but <laughs> i'm definitely a little like that's what's weird to me there's no pictures it is weird. I don't care that it was if it was military operated. There's as, there's pictures of UFO crashes out. There. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not like the mili military can or the government can scour the internet and make sure there's no picture of the blob rain. Yeah, and from the know. '90s too. Mm -hmm. That is a good point. So you question whether or not it even exists. I or do. It even happened. I do question. Hmm. 
I mean, I, I think they could absolutely, I mean, scrub it. There probably wasn't that many pictures in the first place. First of all, this was back quite a time yeah. ago. So, But no one's like but, got a printout picture. Right. Come on. No one. It is kind of weird. What a weird phenomenon. No one has a picture. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is a question of whether or not this rain even happened at all. Maybe it was just snow. I'm just kidding. If it did happen, what would you think caused it? Oh, uh, probably some type of conspiracy. Or like the government testing something. It like could that. be I'm a like, natural phenomenon, though. Weird shit happens all the time. That is Mother Nature. But wouldn't there be a case of it happening somewhere else in the world right. at some point? No, not necessarily. I mean, it could be, could have been some weird conditions that day that's only ever been experienced in that one place. Why are there not pictures of it? Because people did not have a weird Snapchat book? and Instagram. Of course not. But it was 1994. It wasn't the they had cameras. Yeah, but yeah. what are they supposed to do? Go get their disposable camera and yeah. hope they have some the film? Fuck? If my parents were in that shit, they'd grab their camera and take a picture. Yeah, mine definitely would. They had video cameras too. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't they get some home vids? Right. Check out this weird <laughs> shit in my grass. Probably because a good was, point. It could be because they were all silenced and everything was taken from them. Eh. If that was posted, or it's just been lost to time possible i don't know though i don't know yeah the picture thing you're kind of getting me with that janelle that's hmm. if it is real though so this I is like mass was... hysteria over blah brain so all these people we just watched talking <laughs> well, about yeah this that's the thing is like what do those people have to lose by talking about it what well, are they reacting to then i mean they just came to town they're like all right we want you to pretend like this no. jelly rain fell <laughs> and think it's jellyfish blown into the atmosphere <laughs> like what <laughs> That doesn't make see that does when people come forward and they give eyewitness testimony. Obviously, it's not con- well. Don't get me started on this again, but it's not <laughs> like physic- physical oh, concrete. Proof. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying that like I take their word for it, and there's multiple people that experience the same thing. And obviously, there's mass hysteria. There's cases in history where weird. everybody kind of loses it and whatever. But I'm like, like, why would they get together and be like, all right, guys, we're gonna lie. And yeah. trick the country into thinking we found jelly rain. Yeah, exactly. Why we, would they do that? We it's mentioned at least five or six people in this story that all had experiences with it, touched it, got sick from it. Police mm-hmm. officer to family member. I mean, multiple people. There's just no proof that it even happened. There's no proof that Aiden these got days sick we got to from... have a freaking picture or a video <laughs> to believe. Well, well I, I mean, mean, we have pictures of fucking everything that's real. So when you don't have pictures, but you then wonder. if you have pictures of stuff, Pictures can be manipulated, edited. You can put filters on it. I mean, that's the thing is it's like, does it, having a picture or video footage make it real? No, but it makes it a little more. It helps, <laughs> it helps your brain process makes it. Makes it easier to believe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I personally, I I think that this probably did happen. Yeah. I'm not 100% convinced. People. Yeah. Just questioning all sides here. You that's know? all. Could be some bullshit. Excellent. Could have oh, been, boy, Josh they all got pissed. together. The townspeople <laughs> got together and they said, let's form a lie. No, but what if it's the classic someone said it and then those people uh, want to fit mm-hmm. in? They're like, oh, yeah, I think I saw that, too. And I can get on the news. <laughs> like people want to feel important. People want to feel included. That's a good point, Janelle. That does happen. I mean, come on. They want to feel included yes. by, by <laughs> going along with a nutty yes. thing. Yes, yes. Mm. Oh, that happens all the time. No, I know, but... People want to feel included so they admit to murders they didn't commit. So right. they can feel part That's of the story. You think they wouldn't be like, yeah, I saw some weird rain. I don't know. People do weird shit. I mean, I see both sides of the argument here, guys. I don't know. I think it could exist. And if it did, I think it's something conspiratorial. 
That's all I'll say. I agree. All right. Excellent. All right, let's move on. This one, okay, I'm so excited to talk about this weird shit. If you thought that the Jello rain was weird, this yeah, is strange. Yeah, I didn't even know about this until we This is just creepy, like, nightmarish. Oh, great. Yeah. I do not like. Yeah, so from 1987 to 1988, ABC aired the American spinoff of a satirical sci-fi TV show called Max Headroom. The show took place in a dystopian future where a small group of TV executives rule the world. And it featured the fictional character Max Headroom, who is a witty AI-generated TV reporter with a voice that stuttered and changed pitch. The character kind of became a pop culture celebrity in the late 80s, and it was featured in books, TV shows, and even commercials. We did like a Coke commercial, which is interesting. I want to know if any of you out there who were around in the 80s. You remember this scene of this on TV? Yeah, I want to ask my parents if they've seen this. But we'll show you a clip of Max Headroom for some context, uh, it's pretty weird. And here's how it works. I'm going to ask you four questions about the film you've just seen. Four questions. They're not difficult, but being able to count to four helps. Ready? Good. During one of my, 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 my early broadcasts in the film, I made a little joke about... That's been very lucky for me. I said, sorry, I said, okay, now for the prizes. Or if you feel really silly, you can roll them up and make rude noises down them. Cotton, cotton, cotton. Wonderful to wear. Just don't leave the label sticking out. Oh, look at that. You cannot beat that for a first prize. Well, you can't, but I can. See you in London. Ha! That feels like a fucking bad drug trap. <laughs> Seriously, it like gives me chills. Like it'd be something you'd something someone would play if you were kidnapped and like stuck in a room and I know who would play that crazy. character in a live action movie. Who? Jim Carrey. I was about to say. Oh yeah. Fucking Jim. That was like Definitely Jim Carrey Jim. energy. One hundred percent hardcore. Like that it's like was like the mask. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. yeah, it is very mask like. What the hell, though? Like, mm. so weird. I wonder if it was kind of inspired by Jim back then. In the 1980s? I mean, Jim was... I mean, he was around. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, that was when his career was sort yeah. of starting, so maybe it was based off him. Living Color, I think, was on. What? When did Living Color come on? Was he? Oh, yeah, he was on Living Color, wasn't he? Yeah, of course he was. 1990. Oh, that was 1990. So this was kind of like... Uh, it's kind of like... Mm. Uh, I mean, Jim was around, but I don't think, yeah, it wasn't maybe like not. he was a prominent. It is very Jim like, though. It's just <laughs> weird. Very creepy. So, a few weeks after the show was canceled, Max Headroom made the most infamous cameo to date. On November 22nd, 1987, the Chicago area TV station, WGN TV, was broadcasting their 9 p.m. news coverage when there was a strange interruption during the sports segment. Viewers were enjoying a report of that day's Bears game when their screens went black for 15 seconds. And then all of a sudden, footage of a man dressed like Max Headroom flashed on their screens. And the man rocked back and forth while a metal panel spun around behind him. And the broadcast lasted for 28 seconds before someone at WGN switched the frequency they were broadcasting the show from. And viewers' TVs went dark again for a few seconds before the sports anchor flashed back on the screen. Imagine if you're like at home watching that, maybe it's raining out, it's dark. And then that shit just comes on and you're alone. Oh, that would be so freaky. Let's uh, play the, the clip of the intrusion. Okay. All right, let's go. 
McMahon and McKinnon, 14-0 Bears. Then the defense, which hadn't put up a sack in 12 quarters, finally did. What the hell? By work. Who turned the damn TV off? <laughs> Watching the Bears. That is so fucked. <laughs> Imagine being this guy. Oh, I gotta hate that. <sighs> the sound is so eerie. I'm getting chills. <laughs> Just for like... So like the people know, like, holy shit, who's this guy? Well, if you're wondering what's happened, <laughs> so am I. Actually, the computer that we have running our news from time to time took off and went wild. So what we're going to do is start over from the top of the bear. The computer took off and went wild. <laughs> we'll start over from the top. What Whoopsie. in the fuck? Whoopsie. You're wondering what's happened. So am I. <laughs> That's so funny. WGN broadcasted their programming by sending their audio and video feeds via microwaves to a separate broadcast tower on top of the John Hancock building. That broadcast tower then sent the broadcast signals to the viewers' TV sets. Which all you youngins out there, you're probably like, what? They sent the video <laughs> feed via microwave? Like, what? Yeah. Back in the day, our TVs used to have little antennas on it, little yeah. little <laughs> rods sticking out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had them on my TV growing up. And Did you'd you? Have to, like, I was going to say, I never You guys never had hell? that? No, that was no. like my parents. We just had TVs. Yeah. Well, y'all were some spoiled rich folks or something because <laughs> I had no. I had literally had a little TV that had a turn dial for probably the first 12 years of my life. It was a 13 inch little turn dial TV. Damn. Joel well, put a picture in of it. TV, so they probably just whatever your grandparents gave it you. It was your mom like despises TV. It was. But even <laughs> then there was even when you got the big CRT TVs, you still needed some sort of antenna. They just eventually did away with the bunny ears thing and yeah. they got like a little well we turned had a into small a small tv it was small and it was wood with like big metal buttons right but the your guys's tvs were like the like nice generation of like when the crt mm. tvs first started coming out i see mine was still that old school projector it had like a projection in the back okay. and it had the bunny ears on it so i remember having to like we'd watch pbs and i'd have to go over there and like manipulate the bunny ears to do it because the feed was coming over the air so now everything's done through cables and fiber optic. Times have changed. Yeah, they have. <laughs> so when this came on the screen, they obviously were panicking, trying to get it off the air. So WGN's engineers had to scramble to change the signal's frequency that linked their broadcast to the tower. The news station immediately called the feds to investigate who hijacked the broadcast. So as you saw, they weren't able to do that much with that hacking. I mean, they were just kind of the guy's kind of dancing around, playing some weird sounds, and they got it off pretty quickly. And then at 11.20 that night, the local Chicago PBS station, WTTW, had their broadcast of Doctor Who hijacked. It was the same culprit, the Max Headroom impersonator, but the footage was even more bizarre this time. Let's take a look. That is the only way to learn. I'll get you a hot drink, man.
so. <laughs> Just the ultimate troll here. He had a lot more time this this go around. Yep. Quality entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish there there was like a camera on the people who were watching it at the time and watching what their reaction was to seeing this. They're watching Doctor Who and all of a sudden this, like, oh, this I guy know. comes on. I, wish and have I just would all, love to yeah. see what everybody did when yeah. this happened. Yeah. It'd be really funny. It'd be scary, especially if you were home alone. I'd be so freaked out. <laughs> so you really can't hear what exactly he's saying from the clip. I mean, it just sounds so warped. But he did call the WGN sports pundit, Chuck Swirsky, a freaking liberal. And he <laughs> held one. up a can of Pepsi and said, catch the wave, which is a reference to Coca-Cola's Max Headroom advertisements. Then towards the end of it, he points at the screen and says, I still see the X, which some people misheard at the time as I stole CBS. This impersonator also complained that he had hemorrhoids <laughs> and said, oh, I just made a masterpiece for all of the greatest world newspaper nerds. And this was a reference to WGN's call sign, which stood for World's Greatest Newspaper. WGN was founded by the Chicago Tribune, who used that as their tagline back in the day. Then the video feed cuts to some really weird footage. The person dangled a Max Headroom mask at the camera, with the dildo now in his mouth. He bent over, dropped his pants, and that's when someone starts spanking him with a fly swatter. After that, the screen faded into static, and the episode of Doctor Whom resumed as if nothing happened. The interruption lasted a total of 90 seconds. Good minute and a half. Yeah. The technicians at WTTW Studios desperately tried to stop the hijacking, but nothing they tried worked. Their broadcast tower was located at the top of Sears Tower, but they didn't have any engineers on duty at the tower during their broadcast that night. So without anyone there who could fix the signal, they all watched helplessly as the broadcast got weirder and weirder. And luckily for them, the hijackers decided to stop the intrusion on their own. So that's what's interesting, that they just ended it themselves. People were understandably pretty creeped out by these intrusions. Some confused Chicagoans called up the stations themselves and asked, what the hell was the interruption to my programming all about? It annoyed some viewers. No, I just thought it would be just a slight mess up, but that in the middle of the tape, it's going to be... You're going to have to tape over it. Angered others. <laughs> uh, somebody wants to get attention. What do they do? They go break into a, uh, a television broadcast just to get attention, like throwing a brick through your window, so to speak. Okay. It's not too sp- it's not too bright, really. Well, some thought it was a lot of fun. So, what did you think about the whole thing? Very, very funny. It may seem rather humorous, but there is more to it than that. For when this person is caught, he or she will face both civil and criminal penalties. Boo, let him live. Yeah, they're like, whatever. <laughs> you wish. Catch me if you can, bitches. It's funny that the kid was like, I thought it was funny. That one girl was all upset that her tape recording of She's Doctor like, Who was messed damn. up. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to tape, tape over, over it. it. <laughs> so the TV station's engineers thought the signal was probably sent from someone local who was within the line of sight of the towers on top of both the Sears Tower and the John Hancock building. 
The culprits of the hijackings needed to have pretty extensive training and technical skills to pull this prank off. They would have had to send out a microwave transmission to the broadcast towers that was more powerful than the signals that the studios were sending in order to hijack the signal. And this would have required a huge amount of power. An engineer for WTTW said the culprit had to be a broadcast engineer, a satellite engineer, or a ham radio operator. So after all this happened, an FCC official warned that the broadcast pirates faced up to $100,000 in fines and up to one year in prison. Hijacking or pirating a television broadcast is considered a crime, which they haven't prosecuted a lot of those because they're pretty rare and unusual. The motive for the hijackings is pretty much unknown. It's been theorized, though, that whoever did this might have been a disgruntled ex-employee of WGN who's trying to play a prank on them. And that might explain how the culprit had technical knowledge in order to pull the stunt off. The FCC tried its best to investigate the incident, but to this day, the culprits of this very, very entertaining hijacking of the broadcast signal has never been found. Aha! And once 1992 came, the five-year statute of limitations on the crime had passed. So this means that the government will basically never be able to prosecute whoever did this broadcast hijacking. So they, it's, it's interesting that they think it was somebody who worked for the television station. I'm like, they probably would have been able to solve this if that were the case, because they could go and trace, you know, could trace who worked there and, and figure it out, probably at least a suspect. But maybe they but were never able to lie. prove it. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it could be it's clearly someone who didn't like the station. Yeah. Like, like I'd say like disgruntled ex-employee yeah. or something like that. Yeah, remind me of Bruce Almighty. That knows how it works. Kind of oh. <laughs> When he hijacks. Yeah. Steve yeah. Carell when he's mm-hmm. talking. A little different. My but. tiny little nipples yeah. went to France. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great part. Uh, but what yeah. a what a wild thing. I'm surprised this type of thing doesn't happen at all these days. Like, you don't hear well, about it. they got it locked the fuck down. Yeah, it's true. Someone's going to lose their job if it happens these days. It's very true. And it's all, I mean, everything's got security and firewalls and everything else mm-hmm. in place now. It's not sent over the open air. Yeah. I, at least, you know, a lot of the transmission stuff. But I think it's funny. It is funny. We'll have to ask her, ask her parents about it. Yeah. See if they remember this. So yeah. I'm curious. The actual interruption itself. I want to just know if my parents know about Max's headroom. Because I think that is such a weird thing in itself. It's almost its own phenomena. Like, why was that created? Because of the sci-fi show that they were doing or whatever. That I know, but still, it's so... <sighs> It was their vision of what AI was going to look like. Oh, it's just trying to freak people out, kind of. This was like one of the first AI-generated images that they made. Just so strange. Yeah, very weird. But we're going to get into the Alaskan Bermuda Triangle next. But before we do, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. So you probably have heard of the infamous Bermuda Triangle, which is a region in the Atlantic Ocean where airplanes and ships are rumored to have mysteriously disappeared. We've done... It's a pretty extensive episode on that in the past. But did you know that there's a region in America that's home to a similar mysterious triangle called the Alaskan Triangle? So the top of the Alaskan Triangle sits at Utkayagvik, Alaska, which is the northernmost city in the U.S. From there, the triangle extends south and ends in the cities of Anchorage and Juneau. There's a good reason Alaska is known as the last frontier, as the climate is harsh and bitter cold. And the Alaskan Triangle is made up of dense forests, desert tundras, huge mountain peaks, thousands of glaciers, and plenty of wildlife. And since 1988, 16 
thousand people have gone missing in the Alaskan Triangle. That's around four per every thousand people, which is double the national average. On January 26, 1950, a U.S. military plane carrying 36 passengers and eight crew members departed Anchorage en route to an Air Force base in Great Falls, Montana. Two hours later, the plane made a routine radio check-in and reported it was flying over Snag, a small town on the Alaska-Yukon border. The plane never arrived in Great Falls, though. And after weeks of searching for the plane, all 44 of its passengers were presumed dead and investigators called off the search. What's crazy is that none of the plane's remains have ever been found. And then on October 16, 1972, U.S. House Majority Leader Hale Boggs boarded a private Cessna 310 in Anchorage, Alaska, which was bound for Juneau. Boggs was accompanied by a fellow House representative, his aide, and their pilot. The flight took off into bad weather and then vanished 12 minutes later. The search for the plane began after it missed its scheduled arrival time in Juneau, and it ended up being the largest search in Alaskan history at the time. The government dedicated 40 military aircraft, 50 civilian planes, a search grid of 325,000 square miles, and more than 3,600 hours of search time in order to find Hellbog's plane. But after 39 days of extensive searching, the plane was nowhere to be found, and they called off the search. The harsh climate and unforgiving terrain of the Alaskan Triangle may be one explanation for its higher-than-average missing person rate. But some people believe that something paranormal might have been causing these disappearances. According to native Klingit legends, a shape-shifting cryptid known as Kushtaka may be the culprit. The Kushtaka translates to land otter man, and it's an otter-like creature that lives in the wilderness of Alaska. It prowls around the woods looking for lost or injured humans to prey on. The Kushtaka apparently use their shape-shifting abilities to disguise themselves into someone that their victim would know and trust to lure them in. Then they drag their victim deeper and deeper into the wilderness before they tear them to shreds. Or they turn their victims into Kushtaka themselves, which prevents them from ever being reincarnated. Another theory is that strong energy vortexes in the Alaskan Triangle might have something to do with the high number of disappearances there. Energy vortexes are specific spots that are said to have highly concentrated amounts of swirling energy moving through them, and some people claim these vortexes have various effects on humans. Which we've talked about this a lot yeah. before, that there's different places across the planet where these energy vortexes are. There's one potentially down in near Crestone, Colorado. Mm -hmm. um, and and it's, you know, positive, negative energy. And depending on if it's positive or negative, it, it spins in one way or the other. Yeah. And, it you know, if it's positive, it's affecting everything around it positively. If it's negative, then you might have issues, mm -hmm. which is what's going on in the Alaskan Triangle. So. so positive energy vortexes have energy that flows upwards in a clockwise direction. And many people have reported experiencing benefits like increased energy, spiritual awakening, enhanced creativity, and healing while visiting these vortexes. On the other hand, negative vortexes are counterclockwise, downward-flowing energy concentrations. Some people believe that these vortexes can cause depression, psychotic symptoms, nightmares, health problems, and hallucination. Some people have claimed that these negative vortexes cause electrical equipment to malfunction, and it's been said that the Bermuda Triangle, Japan's Devil Triangle, and the Alaska Triangle 
contain negative energy vortexes. The way that I kind of like to think about it is similar to how people experience ghosts or spirits. And sometimes these ghosts or spirits are able to affect the energy in a room and therefore affect the electrical equipment, TVs, which is really weird because we have a TV in our house that continues to come on yeah, on its hell? own. It's driving me nuts. It's in the like me. middle of the night, just like randomly. Mm-hmm. And there's no rhyme or reason for it. And we've already replaced that TV since yep. we've moved in. And it's yep. the same thing, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's been happening a lot lately, too. It's kind of creepy. So it's interesting that potentially some sort of spirit or, you know, residual energy that's left over in a location could affect the the electrical equipment. So if you think about it on a mass scale and you have an area that's got a vortex, you're thinking this type mm-hmm. of energy in a massive amount that's also moving it would make sense that it would affect the electrical equipment of these airplanes that are flying overhead. So maybe that's what's causing them to go down. Their electrical components just go out. But some people believe that aliens are involved with these strange occurrences in the Alaskan Triangle. In 1986, a Japan Airlines pilot flying a cargo plane reported encountering three strange unidentified aircraft while traveling over the Triangle. At first, the pilot assumed that the mysterious aircraft were just military planes carrying out routine operations, and he didn't pay them much attention. But then, these unidentified objects appeared right in front of the jet and flashed a bright light into the cockpit. The pilot noticed that the aircraft started moving at the same speed as his plane, and for the next 50 minutes, the two UFOs began copying all of his plane's movements before they shot off blinding bursts of light. The pilot repeatedly asked ground control if there was any other aircraft in the area around him, and the controllers told the pilot that there weren't any planes nearby him on the radar. And at first, the pilot and his crew weren't afraid. They were just more shocked that the aircraft had flown so close to the jet. But then just as they were approaching Fairbanks, they saw a pale white light behind the plane, and it looked like it was a massive silhouette of a giant spaceship. And for the last 30 minutes of the flight, civilian and military radars were able to pick up whatever this aircraft was, Air traffic controllers in Anchorage tried to help the pilot shake the UFO's tail. The pilot even tried flying in circles and changing altitudes, but whatever this UFO was just continued to follow him. A United Airlines flight entered the nearby airspace and air traffic control diverted that flight so the pilot could get a visual of the situation. Neither of the pilots were able to see the UFO anymore. However, a military radar picked up the spacecraft flying out of sight and trailing behind the United Airlines flight. An FAA chief named John Callahan presented these findings to his boss. Then his boss set up a briefing that included members of the CIA. The CIA officials then told Callahan to never discuss the meeting or his findings again. And they told him that they couldn't have the American public freaking out about these UFOs. And a year later, the FAA retracted their claim that they had ever even seen a UFO on their radar. And they claimed that the radar sighting was just a split radar image that popped up at a coincidental time, but I definitely don't believe that because I've actually heard about this encounter before and it was totally legit. There is actually documentation made on this and they're just trying to keep it quiet now, but that's crazy. I mean, it's it's possible that could be part of it, but in this particular encounter, it didn't cause the plane to go down. It just seemed like these UFOs are sort of checking out the, the jet as it was flying through the air. So personally, I lean more towards the energy theory and the vortex theory. I think there are zones where electronics can be affected, which then can make 
planes disappeared. I mean, the other part of it too is these vortexes could pot- potentially contain portals where planes, objects, people are then literally leaving this plane of existence and going into another. I mean, if you think about mm-hmm. some of these missing, I mean, MH370, like we still don't know where that plane went. Oh God, that one drives me nuts. Like what? They just disappear. That one seriously bothers me so much. The fact that we still don't know. And there's others out there too. That's what's crazy. It's like they were flying through the sky at one point and then they just disappear, never to be seen again. It's crazy. It is. Have we done a full episode on 370? Yeah, we did. Did we? Yeah, we did. We've covered it through multiple episodes actually because there was stuff that kind of came out after the initial investigation. But there really hasn't been much since. I haven't looked at it in a while, but it's crazy. It's just like, Imagine being the family members of the people on that plane. Like, what do you even do? Yeah. Some of these mysteries, they just... Just forever. Can forever. Never know. Yeah. I just can't imagine being personally connected to it. It drives me crazy enough thinking about these things just on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine being... Go insane. Truly. Next, we're going to move on and talk about some very mysterious lights. Both the Phoenix lights and the Hornet spook light. Before we get into those, we're going to take our last ad break. And we'll see you in just a minute. Okay, so next we're going to be talking about the Phoenix Lights, which I know we have mentioned on the show before or talked about briefly, but we're going to look at it a little closer today and actually play some clips that we found that are pretty interesting. So this event happened on March 13th, 1997, between 7.30 and 10.30 p.m. A string of strange glowing orbs flew over the sky in Arizona, Nevada, and Sonora, Mexico. Thousands of people reported seeing these bright lights, and some were able to record videos of the event. There are two different groups of lights that people reported seeing. The first group was organized in a triangular formation, and it flew over the state of Arizona. The second group of nine lights sat in a stationary position in the sky over Phoenix. Some people reported that the first group of lights was attached to a triangular or V-shaped object, And one witness said that the object was as big as a Boeing 747 and made a loud noise that sounded like rushing wind. So here we have an eyewitness discussing what they saw. People were seeing these lights that either seemed to be attached to something or had a force field in between because when they looked up, they blocked out the stars in between the light. Going through my mind, I was thinking, who are you? What are you? Do you know that I'm here? I'd love to meet you. I got it on 35 millimeter film. This is on, in the negative. It cannot be denied or to date, 22 years later, be explained. We're talking totally silent at rooftop level. People watched these phenomena just glide right over their heads. So there's not really any photo or video of the first group of lights. It's really the second that we have captured. But most people who don't believe the lights were alien spacecraft believe they came from a plane instead. The U.S. Air Force said the second group of lights were just flares being dropped by an attack bomber as part of a training exercise. They claim that the flares were slow falling and long burning and that the parachutes on the flares gave them an orb-like appearance. The flares would have hung in the sky for a decent amount of time after the planes dropped them. And later testing showed that Phoenix residents would have easily been able to see these types of flares. Although if you look at flare footage, I mean, it's, I don't know, these definitely don't look like flares to me, but that's just me. Ten years after the incident, a National Guard air pilot told a reporter that he was part of the squadron that dropped the flares that appeared over Phoenix. So here's some more footage just of the the lights from some different angles. It's not the best quality, unfortunately, and there's no sound on this clip, but... Um, 
it does give you a little bit more perspective on the lights from different points of view. Mm-hmm. They definitely look like orbs just glowing in the sky. And like usually the flares that I've seen, I mean, I don't know, there might be different types of flares, have some sort of tail coming off of it, like a yeah. subtle tail coming off of it. But these just look like, I don't know. And they do look like they're attached to something, like there's something in between them. Yeah, because they, they stay in this nice formation. Mm-hmm. And then they come in, come out, and they stay in that sort of VU shape as they fly over Phoenix. That's huge, too. Yeah, span it's of it. huge. Yeah. And every, like everybody saw this. I mean, this was a mass UFO sighting. I'm just like, if it was a military, why not give people a heads up so then people aren't just wondering what you're doing? Like, mm-hmm. If you're going to do a secret training exercise, why do it over the freaking <laughs> whole city? Like, I don't yeah. get that explanation that, that they offer up. It's like, oh, we're doing a training exercise. We didn't want to give you guys a heads up because we wanted to see you all think that it was a UFO. Just like that one back in um, LA. I think I was it was 2017. Yeah, that giant blue thing. Mm-hmm. And they L- said that was LA. Yeah, no okay. way they're doing that. That makes absolutely no sense. Well, that ended up, they did end up figuring out what that one was, actually. Yeah, but why were they not? Right. Why, why not? Why not give people a heads people? up? Yeah. But it was testing. It, yes, it was a legit thing. Yeah. So why wouldn't they? give people i know it doesn't make any sense but they didn't confirm that until later on like why not be like no that's what it was right away because that went on and on for weeks of people trying to figure out what it was it scared so many citizens and it's just a really weird place to do that so i mean personally i don't believe that explanation yeah i mean who knows but maybe i'm wrong and a lot of people do not buy the explanations given for the Phoenix Lights either. They firmly believe that the lights that they saw that night came from something otherworldly. So we're about to watch a little clip from the woman we, were, we just saw who is the doctor that has worked on uh, this event as far as researching it pretty extensively. And just some of her thoughts about the fact that she thinks this was extraterrestrial in origin. You've done a lot of talking about this and you've met a lot of people who saw it. And, and what is the consensus among people who actually looked and saw it? What, what do most people say? Actually, there has not been one report, and this is important, of harm, threat, or abduction associated with the Phoenix Lights phenomena. They were absolutely anomalous. Um, even our past former governor, Symington, who mocked the sighting in 97, came forward after the 10th anniversary to reveal bravely that he actually saw one of these mile-wide craft and larger, and that it was otherworldly. And he's a pilot and award-winning Air Force uh, officer, and many, many people saw this. It was massive, and the technology was far advanced. I definitely don't believe any of the, you know, government claims that it's testing no not, i don't believe it for, for la one. either yeah i just don't doesn't make any fucking sense well and also later on when that whole new york times article came out and ufos really hit the mainstream yeah. that the pentagon was studying uh ufo sightings and stuff this was one of the events that they were actually studying so that also proves that this wasn't just some government exercise no. because why would they be studying this event and if that's true why not show us again like let's let's see it again then let's yeah, schedule exactly. it on a certain right. night be like everyone we're going to do this testing on thursday yeah, night six o'clock go outside and look at it yeah prove it prove it was a government exercise yeah. and repeat the exact same thing again and same with the la ufo because i do not believe for a second that that was i just do not that makes no sense why i mean it was pretty pretty cool to look at it was, sure. oh, it was really cool but let's watch this clip of the governor who at the time when it happened 
literally denounced it, but probably from pressure from within the government. Mm-hmm. And since then, he's come out and done interviews on what he saw. No, I'm serious. I'm serious now. That that it was a it was a unquestionably it was a UFO, which means unidentified flying object. Right. Doesn't nothing, mean we're being visited. Well, it's nothing like anything I've ever seen. And, and you're an Air Force guy. Yeah, yeah, and a pilot. Uh, got a lot of hours flying, so uh, it was pretty breathtaking. And um, and I'll never forget. I I snuck out to see it, um, you know, without DPS, um, which I I'm not supposed to be driving my own car and that kind oh, of thing. Yeah. And so, uh, but I told Ann what I was doing. I was going to go up to Squaw Peak and see what everybody was, you know, clamoring about. And um, when I walked in the front door, she looked at me, and I was apparently just normally I'm fair complected and pale anyway, right? And she said, "Oh my gosh!" She said, "She'd look like a ghost." What, what, what did you see? And I said, well, "I don't know what I saw, but it's it was really something." And I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> and uh, wow, so Were you did it frighten you? No, I, no, I, I think I was kind of in awe, really, you know. How big? Bigger than anything I've ever seen in the sky. Like an aircraft carrier in the yeah, sky? Yeah, 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 something like that, yeah. And it, and it was hard to define because of the light in terms of the size, but it, but it was absolutely silent and had sort of eerie embedded lights. And, you know, so that's what I saw. And I wasn't expecting to see anything because I was looking out over at Luke uh, right. to the west. And... Uh, and then all of a sudden, these people in the park uh, area on the just on the west side of 51, there were a bunch of people there. Everybody said, oh, look at that. And we turned around, and this thing was coming from the northwest, traveling to the southeast. We now know, uh, and it really hit me when, when we were watching the Diamondbacks in Game 7, and the B-1 flew over. Mm-hmm. Over the wasn't. Bob. Yeah, it wasn't a B-1 bomber. But that thing all of a sudden out of nowhere appears. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I said to somebody that night, I said, well, you know, when they do test these, mm-hmm. they test them in populated areas. They're new stuff. They mm-hmm. test it to see if people detect it. Mm-hmm. Do you believe it was ours? Do you believe it was something from the U.S. government that they were no. kind of flying around? No, it wasn't even close to a B. It was much bigger than a B-1. A B-1 yeah. actually isn't that big. I mean, right. I mean, if it's it's at low altitude, it'll appear a big, but no, this this was totally different. Yeah, I mean, this thing was like over a mile long. I mean, yeah. a B one bomber, just for reference, is one hundred thirty seven feet across, so that's nothing compared yep. to how big this was. Nope. It, it almost looks like it was so wide; it's almost blunt. You know, if it were wing to wing or whatever it was, mm-hmm. it would completely cover the whole metropolitan Phoenix area. That's it's like massive. crazy. It's unreal. It's crazy we just still don't have an answer to this day. Yeah. Probably never will. Because we can't explain what it is. Mm, it can't be disproven. It's, yeah. I mean, we have lots of lots of evidence of it. There were some more lights that appeared in 2007 and in 2008, but these were definitely military flares. It's interesting that they tried to like do it again and just mm-hmm. to like get everybody to think that it was military flares. But, but that actually looks like military yeah, flares. Yeah, I mean, flares come... Come down. Mm-hmm. You can and, see the smoke. Yeah. Right. You can't That's see smoke in the first one. No, and they're way smaller than these. These are gigantic mm-hmm. orbs that are that are in some sort of energy field where they're yeah they're moving as one almost. They look completely different. Yeah, the Phoenix mm-hmm. lights is is one of those that really made me a believer. Yeah, in in UFOs and and just in general. And I think um, we talk about Dr. Greer a lot. He was at he was in Phoenix at the time. I believe he saw them. Oh, really? as well. Mm. 
So if we ever get him on the show, maybe we can ask him about that. Because Dr. Greer, come on. <laughs> I know. That'd be awesome. We're Look, working on it. We are working on it. So very We've interesting. We've been saying one. that for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> We're working on a lot of things, okay? <laughs> but we finally have the set, so we can actually put out a formal invite now. We can. We can. But let's, we got one more for mm-hmm. you today, and mm-hmm. it's another very mysterious light known as the Hornet Spook Light. If you drive westward from the small town of Hornet, Missouri, past the Oklahoma border, you might come across a dirt road known by locals as Spook Light Road. It might not look like anything more than a simple dirt road at first, but if you sit very quietly and wait there, you might see something strange off in the distance. There's a glowing light that appears above the road, and its origins have been the stuff of local legend. But we've got video footage of it, of course. So here's a clip of the spook light from, I think, a pretty far distance. Whoa, whoa! Really flared up there. He knows we're here. Showing off. Yeah, look at that. It's the, it's the same type of orb situation. And then that's we a need cell to tell tower. People the red the light they see is a tower. Yeah, the red light you see is a reception tower way in the distance. Yes. The little gold light that's in the center, with all the little weird sparkling stuff going on around it, that's the uh, that's a spook light. Spook light. It has. Yeah, it's it's fluctuating and it's. It's changing color and it's kind of moving around and it's got all kinds of stuff going on around it. Wow, that's trippy. That's really trippy. What? That's so weird. And they just caught that casually yeah. on camera. I mean, that that doesn't look edited or doctors. I mean, it just looks like mm-hmm. somebody was filming. Yeah, it's very their... casual the way they're going about it. Yeah. The Hornet spook light usually is seen at night. It most often appears as a single ball of light or sort of a tight group of lights like you just saw but its color sometimes changes as well. The spook light is usually greenish-yellow, but it's been observed to glow red, orange, other shades of yellow, and sometimes even blue. And it ranges from a baseball to a basketball in size. How interesting is that? When you're not looking through this, uh-huh. sometimes you got to strain to see it. Yeah. But yet on here, you can see... Okay, it's got two lights again. Wait yeah. a minute. Two, one little one. Wait, maybe three. Hang on, hang on. Okay. Wow. Okay, got now it's got it. one ahead of it. Now it's getting really, really bright. Real bright. Now it's got one ahead of it, way ahead of it. Might be coming up the road. Hang on now. Uh, I see three lights. Yeah, there was one behind the bigger light. There's multiple lights there right now. Yeah. Okay, now I'm seeing... Oh, I can't tell. I'm not sure. Okay. There was one little light that went into the bigger light to the left. Those look a little bit different than the first clip, but I think it's also because their camera is a little bit uh, lesser quality. Yeah. Another popular example of a ghost light is the will-o'-wisp phenomenon, which produces glowing lights over swamps and bogs. Cultures from all over the world have folklore legends about ghost lights. The lights are often believed to be spirits, angels, or different otherworldly beings. The first documented account of the Hornet spook light was printed in a local newspaper in 1935, although some sources say it was a paper article from 1881. Which, their headlights weren't that strong back then. Yeah, that's true. You can't really predict. Yeah, there were no headlights at that time, so they're seeing a spook light. 
the hell is it? Mm. But that's not confirmed. You know, it's just some sources saying that. We don't know for sure that it was in 1881. Well, the paper article, but it was printed in the local newspaper in 1935. Yeah, well, and it's like 50 years of difference. Huge, true, but it's not like it was, they had ultra high beams at that time. No, I don't know. That one's weird. However, local residents have given verbal accounts of seeing the lights, the spook light, as far back as 1830. In 1946, engineers with the U.S. Army studied the light to try and find its source. They believe that the light was caused by headlights from nearby cars. But, I mean, that doesn't make sense when you think about how old some of these recounts are. But they told a local newspaper that they wouldn't insist upon the solution. And we certainly don't want to rob anyone of the enjoyment of a good ghost. There you go. That's that's the military I like to see. Yeah. Believe yeah, where's ghosts. that attitude yeah, seriously. now? No, like, what doesn't exist? In the mid-50s, locals promoted the spook light as a tourist attraction. One resident even created a museum for the mysterious glowing light. And in the 60s and 70s, Spook Light Road was always packed with tourists hoping to catch a glimpse of the light. People came from all over the place just to see the light for themselves. The light would flicker, move around, disappear, and then reappear in different locations. And the glowing orb made the hair on the back of people's necks stand up. I don't understand why they didn't try to get closer to it. They're standing so far back. Walk towards it. <laughs> At some point, you're going to find it, right? True. It just true. looks kind of weird. But wouldn't that scare you? Would you be scared to walk towards an unknown light? And if it is cars, you're walking well, into on onward traffic. So <laughs> just I might be scared of it, but there's got to be people I'm out there that the wouldn't light. be. I mean... You want to walk towards the light is what you're saying? There's gonna No, I'm saying <laughs> I probably wouldn't, but there's so probably people that would. <laughs> <laughs> oh, haha. Good joke. Dang, tough Thank crowd. you. Thank you. Tough crowd here. Tough crowd. <laughs> Kendall's a tough critic, folks. Oh, well, anyway, there are many local legends about what the spook light is. Some people believe that the light is a ghost of a Confederate soldier or the devil holding a lantern and wandering the earth. Ooh, I hope it's that one. <laughs> why would the devil just be in one spot, though? He's just walking around. <laughs> and why? This lantern. Why? The most popular folktale is that the light is the souls of two Native American lovers trying to find each other. I like that one. Oh, boy. That's beautiful. That is very beautiful. Very beautiful. Maybe it is. The most popular scientific explanation for the spook light is that it's caused by the headlights refracting from nearby Route 66. But it's like, hmm. When you hear... In the 1830s, there was no headlights. <laughs> Thanks for that. So what, what you talking about? This might explain why the light was a sort of yellow or reddish color. Sorry, I don't buy that yeah, at that's, all. That's like that's a very like weird. half scientific <laughs> explanation. That's more like, well, the logical thing is it's probably a headlight. You know, they're turning on their high beams and it creates this little glow. No, these are orbs. Like these are freaking orbs. There's not headlights. Go outside at night and look at headlights coming down the road. Does that look like an orb floating in the air? No. No. Don't like even going over a hill, like the whole, oh, it's going over the hill. So the light, Why in that it doesn't like spot? gather and then make this sort of like glowing where it's moving and it's turning red and blue. And yeah, and then you have multiple like what your headlights are refracting into. What is it refracting off of? Yeah. To the tree. No, it makes no sense at all. <laughs> well, you know, according to some of these sources, the first recorded mention of the light was in 1935. So cars would have been right. around that time. I'm going to look but up. But if you believe that there were sightings in the 1800s 
as early as 1830. Give me a freaking break. Look up a 1935 car. Yeah, how is it reflecting that far out? Car, let's see if we can get at night. Mm. I mean, headlights were invented in 1880, it said. Okay. So right around that time of the first one, unless... You believe that? I think it was seen in all the way back in the 1830s, and there's definitely no car. But why do you think that? Just Be- some sources say that, so you're because just not believing it. Josh believes everything. Because <laughs> a, a wise man once told oh me to believe everything you hear. It's <laughs> a dumbass. But look man. at <laughs> seriously. But look at the 1935s picture of the car. I don't mm-hmm. think that it was a, a well, car. Well, I'm just going off of that video that we did see. I mean, assuming that that isn't hoaxed or fake or whatever, it doesn't look like a headlight to me, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck that is, to be honest. It's weird. Mm. Well, another explanation is that electromagnetic fields might be affecting natural gases in the area, which produces the light, which kind of makes could make some sense. But, but mm, in the same spot all mm, that time? Mm, yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. Many people believe that the light is some sort of paranormal entity or occurrence, which is kind of the way I lean. They believe that the car headlights explanation doesn't match up with the light's history. And again, there have been apparently many sightings all throughout the 1800s, long before cars or headlights existed. Here's some more footage here. Let's look at this one. It does kind of look like headlights in that in that video, kinda. Yeah, well, that's the hard Especially thing. Especially from far away, yeah. like that. Well, this isn't even in pitch dark either. No. But would these people so even annoying. record it if a car just came over the hill and then it disappeared? Yeah, I mean the way it's moving. It and then you have another light there. Yeah. And then in that other clip, we saw one even higher up than mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's weird. I just feel like if this was just a some natural phenomenon, it'd be like, wouldn't be that big of a deal because it's then it then it reduces it to just cars driving over a hill. How many people are going to go get out their phones and film for a car driving over the hill? I don't understand why they don't year get after year after year. I don't. This is weird. <laughs> According to Spooklight enthusiasts, the light is getting harder to see today. They say that if cars were the cause, that the light should be getting more and more visible as the decades pass. Because again, headlights get more and more. I mean, a lot of cars have like four, like my my truck has like five lights on the front of it. So it, obviously the light would change and it would be different than all these clips sort of show the same sort of orbs that um, are being captured. Locals used to advertise the spook light to attract tourists to the area. But as the years went on, officials from the area tried to discourage visitors from loitering around spook light road. Apparently, the road became a popular spot for teenagers to party at the spook light. I would do that, too. That'd be fun. There was a, near where I grew up, there was a haunted bridge on on a dirt road. It's it's called, like, Last Bridge. And we used to go out there and just, like, not really, I mean, party. But more, like, kind of, like, ghost hunt and, like, look around. Or at least I was. Everybody else was probably partying, and I was, like, trying to see if I could feel the ghosts that were there but there's been a lot of events that happen at this bridge but anyways mm. Mm. spook light road big party spot they eventually paved spook light road and it's illegal to sit and park along this route now 
And now that the that's road kind is of like, unusual, yeah. illegal. It's like a bit far. Yeah. But maybe it was causing could be dangerous too. Yeah. Could have caused all types of issues. So. Yeah. Well, gravel roads are. Yeah. People are drinking stuff. Not a good idea. I want to know from people in this area once again. Have you heard of the spook light? Have you seen the spook light? Do you know any more spook light stories? It's still visible. It's still mm. out there. I kind of want to go see it for myself. It's hard to see on these little video clips. Well, here's a more recent clip. We'll put this is uh, the last okay. clip that we have, but this is a more recent. I was gonna clip. say there's 2018. Be some better footage of these things. God, the spook light. It's coming this way. Look how dark that it bright. is. It's not a lot of traffic right. out here. Lantern coming. Yeah, we're in the tri-state line, Kansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma, and that is the Hornet Spook Light. It's my birthday. Oh, <laughs> happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Tracy, are you seeing this? Tracy? Uh, I'm sorry, but it looks the exact same. What's going on? Going oh, oh, yeah, they're going nuts, and it's giving us a show. What? This is our second time. Second time tonight. Just sitting there. Yeah. Zoom in, please. Oh, and the dogs are just whooping it up like there. Oh. And in a minute, it'll just disappear. Just smoking it. Save <laughs> or something or joint. Oh. Boom. See, gone. gone. There's no way that that's car no, headlights. And, and that would happen more often. Like every night, at yeah. least once a night, that would happen. No, I don't believe it's cars. That's weird. I don't know. Maybe it really is something... I think it's something I believe paranormal. in orbs and stuff. So yeah, I think it, it could sense. be just sort of a some sort of manifestation of either a collection of spirits. I like the idea of spirit. the Native American lovers connecting through the spook light. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. It reminds me of the Marfa lights in Texas. It's kind of a very similar phenomenon. There's, I forget there's about other that one. places. Uh, Janelle, look up a uh, Marfa lights, Texas. But it's ex basically the exact same thing, and and we've covered it on the show before. They the explanation for that too was headlights coming coming over the hill or the road mm -hmm. causing them but it's a similar situation where there's oh, just yeah. this one spot it's like for years oh, and yeah. years oh and years. right right up in the mountain yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. orbs in these areas which maybe these areas have you know energy vortex portal i mean who knows interesting and they're they're always like out in the middle of nowhere where there's not high volumes of traffic and in the light, thing about traffic lights, it'd be constantly changing. Yeah. These are like hovering orbs. So I feel clearly. like it'd be easy to tell if it was traffic lights. Yes. But like, what the fuck else is it? I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. Okay. Well, we want to hear your thoughts on the spook light and everything else that we talked about in this episode. What are your theories? Um, especially if you live in these areas, if you live in yeah, Washington, Missouri, uh, Phoenix, Arizona. If you live near the spook light. Go out there and film it for Get us. It, yeah, seriously. We need and our fans to start us. getting on the ground and <laughs> going and seeing these things. And then we should have a forum where people we can do. like up to, uh, upload footage. You though. can on our forum, I'm pretty sure. Oh, oh make can? sure you can add it. Yeah, they could attach a clip or a picture. Oh, I know my Lights Out forum has a... Or just tweet it to us. That's true. You can tweet it to us. Yes, smell our pod. Except for we are not responsible for... You getting abducted by aliens or something? Yeah, please be careful in your adventure. If you do, make sure you got your camera on during the abduction. I'd love to see a film. Oh my God, Josh. Somebody please do that for us. No, please oh don't. <laughs> please don't. If but, I wasn't having a child and I wasn't married, I'd be out there myself God, Josh, doing this. We all know you would be if it wasn't for me. I ruined all your fun. You did. Oh, boo. Oh, in God. another life for you. 
But that is going to be it for us today, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know which story was mo- or which phenomena is most interesting to you out of all of these. I like the spook light and the Phoenix lights. I like the weird fucking dude on TV. You like the Max Headroom yeah. imposter? Yeah. Yeah, that's some wild I shit. I want to know who it was. I think it was just an ex employee who was pissed. Maybe, maybe this not. This is just trolling, you know? Get a good, a good troll. That was in. a good troll. Pretty funny. All right, that's going to be it for us today. We'll see you next week on another episode of the Mile Heart Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to us on YouTube, Spotify. Make sure you're following us there. Those are the Spotify has really become the podcast platform. So if you are not following us on Spotify, we'd love it if you go over there and mm-hmm. do so yep. because you can watch the video over there now, which is really cool. It's really nice. Um, so YouTube's kind of becoming obsolete for podcasts, really. When for it comes viewing. To, yeah. For viewing, exactly. Well, I guess for everything. For everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So make sure you're following us over there, but we will see you guys next week. And until then, keep on taking your mind a mile higher. We'll see you guys next time.